Hi everyone, today's episode is focusing on sleep. We are interviewing Michael who is a sleep coach and has his own business called Sleep Trust. His focus is on improving individuals' sleep patterns and the quality of sleep through various methods and we're going to talk to him today about how that can be applied to smart buildings and what organisations and employers can do in order to prioritise their employees' health and well-being. A smart building is all about optimising efficiencies improving energy efficiency, resource utilisation, connectivity and well-being. Today we will focus on the well-being aspect, arguably one of the most important aspects, as it doesn't matter how smart a building is, if employees don't feel safe, valued and their working environment isn't healthy, they aren't going to stay. Now sleep is the foundation on which our health and well-being sit upon. Large-scale studies that have tracked millions of people over many decades all report the same clear relationship. The shorter your sleep, the shorter your life. It is the leading cause of disease and death within developed nations, with heart disease, obesity, dementia, diabetes and cancer all linked to insufficient sleep or disrupted sleep. But what is it that makes us sleep? Why do we need to sleep? And how have modern day pressures affected our sleep? Well, we are all governed by a 24-hour rhythm known as our circadian rhythm. Most living creatures with a lifespan of more than seven days generate this natural cycle. It determines when we want to be awake and when we want to be asleep. It also controls other rhythmic patterns, such as when we feel ready to eat and drink. It also influences our emotions, our metabolic rate, and the release of numerous hormones. The brain uses daylight to reset our daily clock. However, what impact does spending most of our time indoors have? And what can organisations do to prioritise their employees' sleep-wake cycle within a smart building? We will answer these questions and more in today's episode. Hi Michael, thanks for agreeing to chat with me today. So as I've mentioned in the intro, today we are discussing the importance of sleep. Many people don't prioritise sleep and they don't realise the impact it can have on their health, mood and productivity. It is a hot topic within the smart building industry as people want healthier buildings that are optimised to improve employees' health and well-being. In a post-COVID world, this focus will only strengthen further as employees will not want to go back into the workplace if they don't feel that it is safe or if it does not add any benefits they don't get from working from home. But before we get into that, Michael, would you like to start off by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about how you became a sleep coach? Yeah, hi Lindsay. First off, thanks for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate that. Um, so, um, yeah, years ago, I was a high performance coach and then, um, I always was a good sleeper when I let myself get enough sleep, but then I was hit with the slip disc, um, and that kind of robbed me, uh, my sleep. I was, uh, my pain levels were going through the roof and I only got two to three hours uh, a night, which leave me feeling like zombie, like, um, so, uh, at some point I had to tackle that. And digging into that, long story short, I'm a big fan of meditation. At some point, I just had this um, personal insight that I had to move to sleep coaching because doing my research, I saw this was kind of epidemic. Like people were really having problems to sleep. And I got a little bit more aware um, how we as a society treat sleep and thought, okay, that's probably a better way to bring value to the world than what I did before. Yeah. That's really interesting. No, I've definitely heard that before as well, you know, through my research where your experts are even advising doctors to prescribe sleep 
to people with certain health conditions because as you said it is becoming an epidemic um so just to to kick off would you like to explain in your own words why you think um sleep should be prioritized by all of us and why you value sleep so much yeah sure uh, essentially it's a very selfish reason the first reason is I want to feel good. I want to feel energized. I want to feel productive. Like I want to be looking forward to have this interview with you, right? Lindsay. So uh, if I'm tired, I would be feeling like, oh my God. And you know, later on I'm gonna have an interview and oh, 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 oh. So, but that's not why I want how I want to feel. So that's the main selfish reason. And if we go beyond that, I'm a person that wants to live healthy. So sleep is the source for health. And I'm also very um, uh, like focused, productivity-driven person, personality. And that's what I did in my coachings before too, like help people to, to peak perform. And you, you cannot be productive if, or at least you perform to the peak if you don't get uh, sleep. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like, again, you can, you can skip a meal, can't you? Or you can skip food for a day. You can s skip water for a day. But if you skip sleep for a day, then you feel it <laughs> a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. You're <laughs> going to notice that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, sleep is a fascinating topic. And I'm actually reading a book at the moment about the psychology of sleep and understanding what goes on in the brain throughout the 24-hour cycle, but especially when we're sleeping. Um, so do you want to just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I think what all of us kind of know is that we should get somewhere between seven and nine hours of sleep as an adult. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not one big chunk. Like it's first off, our sleep is structured in cycles. So we run through around about five sleep cycles every night. And um, every sleep cycle is structured in a way that we run through different sleep stages. And that's quite interesting because our brains have a high dynamic of sleep. So it's not like we fall asleep and then we're, we're kind of in this state where nothing happens. Rather, the opposite is the case. There's a lot going on in our brains. So uh, when we're active, so now when I'm having this interview with you or the other way around, you're having it with me, um, our brain waves are, are very active. They're going around 30 hertz, like 30 waves a second. Uh -huh. When we sleep, that's beta, beta brainwave territory, so to say. Uh, when we sleep, we run through different sleep stages, taking those brain waves down from light sleep to deep sleep. And when they wander down, going to uh, brain waves that are called like theta and delta, then brainwaves really slow down to 0.5 brainwaves a second, which is really slow. And a lot of things happen in our brains uh, during this period and during this uh, wandering through the sleep stages. So first off, our brains get detoxed. Mm -hmm. um, beta amyloids, poisons that are also su suspicious when it comes to Alzheimer's disease are flushed out of the brain uh, 10 to 20 uh, times more efficiently than when we're uh, awake. Mm -hmm. But our brains are also highly active when it comes to running through all the information that we did at daytime. So we're dreaming, REM dream, uh, very active, nearly as active as when we're awake. And uh, this dream state is very important for us. First off, and sleep scientists are still doing a lot of research around that when it comes to tagging what is important for us. So what are we going to memorize 
which is important when we're talking about productivity. Like mm -hmm. if I do research, I want to know what I did the day before, right? I don't want to forget everything. So dreaming, uh, sleeping, uh, deep sleep, very important for that. But also it's our built-in therapy system. Like if we're not in a good mood, if we're not emotional balanced, how are our relationships in private and at work going to be? And how is this going to affect our work? So it's very important uh, to, to uh, understand that our brains are, we as humans need sleep to work in a way that's good for us. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the kind of problem with the modern Western world is that, you know, it's, it's rebelling against our natural desire to wind down and get a good night's sleep in a way. Um, it's been developed to be always on. So there's there's lots of modern day distractions and, you know, entertainment work, technology devices that consume more and more of our time, which then eat, and eat into our time when we should be sleeping, um, which is obviously, as you said, caused a whole host of health problems, both physical and mental. And as, as we've developed as humans, we're spending more and more time indoors, um, which obviously can have a profound effect on how we feel. Things like air quality, ventilation, lighting, screen time, our workplace, you know, do we have an appropriate area to work from? Do we have an appropriate area to relax in? Are we taking regular breaks? Are we getting enough fresh air? So all of these things are, are really important, but in your opinion, how has this always on modern day society affected our sleep? Um, so there, there are so many ways that we can have a look at this. Uh, essentially, I'd like to start off with the word always, always on, because mm -hmm. it's great. It's kind of the, the duality of things. Like always on is kind of like always off too. If we're always on and we're looking at what always on means for us nowadays, it's, it's constant distraction. So that's not the definition it should be for always on, right? Yeah. So always on should mean we're in a flow, we're focusing, we're doing the things, we're in the present, which we're not. We're checking our smartphones, we're getting emails, we're, you know, we're all over the place, meetings, hopping around, but we're not getting stuff done in a way that's good for us. So that's the fir first thing. Um, the, the second thing when it comes to sleep is, uh, I always like to say also my coachings, like a good night of sleep is the result of a well-spent day. So yeah. if we run through the day, uh, get triggered through this and that, get distracted, get feel stressed over long periods uh, uh, of the day, and that's not a well-spent day. That's not how it's supposed to be. And in the end, as a result, we're going to have a hard time to fall asleep. Yeah. And if we don't get our sleep, it's kind of, it can turn into a vicious cycle very quickly because now our brains are not going, are going to do what I just described a couple of moments ago. Um, things like, uh, even if we, we cook a, look at um, social, dis, not social disorders, but anxiety is a big like epidemic thing too. If we don't get enough sleep, our amygdala, our emotional center, fires up to, up to 60% more. So what does that mean? And the amygdala is kind of the fight or flight thing, our emotions kind of, which was yeah. good in the past, but you know, and if you run through that over the course of the day, you feel stressed, your cortisol levels shoot up, you have a hard time to fall. So it's this vicious cycle, what mm -hmm. really kicks off. And, and that's kind of what uh, is my takeaway of the all, always on that you yeah. just threw in. Brilliant, thank you. It's really interesting. Um, so just sort of taking it back a moment, back to sort of smart buildings in general, 
what would be your top tips for organisations to ensure that they can help make employers sleep a priority when they do go back to the workplace? Uh, essentially, I think that's a, a part of a company culture. So you, you, the company would have to promote a culture. They can't dictate it. A culture is something that gets created through every employee. But it's important that the top level managers, all managers of the company, really believe in the importance of sleep. And um, a really practical way to do so is just to share things like if they're on an annual meeting or any other kind of meeting with their managers, their employees, just to say something like, uh, you know, yesterday uh, I went to bed on time because I knew I would have this important meeting with you. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like value in sleep. And then obviously there are very practical things that they can do as company leaders, like uh, creating awareness, sending out newsletters, um, creating resting spaces in the company, um, or also, you know, letting their HR department get creative. I think there's not a one, one fits all solution, but things like maybe handing over sleep um, uh, fitness trackers to the employees uh, for free if they are willing to have a checkup once a year with the doctor running through the information. Like you don't even have to say do this or that, but just knowing that they're going to sit there with the doctor, they're going to see, okay, you, you had a little bit, you know, you didn't get a lot of sleep. Um, how did you feel? Like having this, baking this into the company, I think are, uh, and there are a lot more options, but those will be kind of my top three or four picks that uh, leaders, C-level uh, leaders could, could do to, uh, yeah. to create that culture. Definitely. Because I think, you know, we have started to see a bit of a shift, but I think we've probably all worked in organizations before where overworking is glorified. You know, if you work until 10 o'clock at night, you're seen as a really good employee, but actually how productive are you when you're working at that time of night? Are you, you might be sending a few emails, but are you really working? And then, as you said, the knock-on effect when you can't then sleep or you can't sleep until later and then you're getting up at the same time and then you're less productive during the day. So I think those are really important and I agree it's all about culture, definitely. And, and Lindsay, that, that's what, what you just said is, you know, is, uh, is so important too. If, if we talk about sleep is important, like, and you get a man, uh, an email from your manager at 10 p.m. or 1 a.m. or whatever, what's that for? Like, that, like it's not congruent. So there, there's a lot of tech that you could put in between, say no emails are gonna go get sent out after a certain time, but you could also just create that awareness and tell the managers, look at, don't do that, you yeah, know. Definitely, that's really good. Um, so kind of just moving on from that a little bit. So like ironically, we are told to stay off digital devices before bed because obviously the blue light emitted from them suppresses our sleep hormone, melatonin. Um, but we're seeing an influx of apps and sleep tech on the market now that help us fall asleep. So what are your thoughts on that? Are there any you would recommend or do you not recommend them? Yeah, that's kind of like, there are two hearts in my, you know, uh, beaten in, in, in me here. Because I'm obviously I, I like peak performance, I love tech, uh, but you know, as a sleep coach, my first recommendation would be to just be aware that sleep is a natural process. So you do not need anything. It's not going to cost you anything. You don't need anything. You just need take to take care that you prioritize sleep. That's the best way. And then you know, the next step would be 
okay, what are we all about? It's all about our senses. Like uh, we'll get into the tech in a second. So yeah. uh, everything that we experience is up to, you know, seeing things, hearing things, feeling things. So run through that. If you want to sleep, sleep in a quiet environment. Block out light if possible. Like don't do, do stuff that makes sense. And if you want to uh, use tech afterwards, I would start with like conventional stuff like using earplugs, which is not tech yet either, and eye masks if you want to do so, and that, that's helpful. Look at the tech. Generally speaking, I think there are uh, good apps like that you can use for meditations mm -hmm. or to remind yourself to go to sleep. Um, and obviously technology as what you're promoting with your company. Uh, intelligent systems, intelligent lighting systems. That's something that I love because we don't have to use it. Technology should work for us. And we got, you know, I think the iPhone was one of the first to uh, introduce night shift. Like mm -hmm. it just blocks out the blue light. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to think about that's helpful, but I wouldn't go too crazy about tech. And there's a lot of, you know, like devices that you can get white noise devices that create a sound to absorb other noises and, and these are all helpful at times for certain people. But yeah. as a rule of thumb, I would say, try to just acknowledge that everybody can sleep. So you can, you, you can essentially uh, sleep anywhere and everywhere. It's just that we screw up through our um, way of living. Yeah, definitely. Because I think a lot of us are guilty of sort of staying up watching telly until late at night and then trying to go to bed when really we haven't gave ourselves the opportunity to, to wind down yet. So... Yeah, it's, it's kind of all about having that routine, isn't it? Yeah, right. Um, because I suppose, I mean, from a, an employer's point of view, it doesn't matter how smart your building is. If it isn't a comfortable environment that's optimized for employees' needs, then they're never going to get the output that they expect from them. So it's all about understanding that. That's so true, Lindsay. You know, if, if you, we don't feel good with what we're doing or in the environment we're sitting in, Google and these companies have really, you know, nailed that. They want their employees yeah. to feel at home, to feel comfy. And that's kind of the workspace 4.0, right? We want to feel good. We want to feel uh, comfy. And we want to feel um, like we're sitting in, in, in a light environment that lets us feel good. It's not only about being able to take our pet to work or something. We just have to create that space where we really uh, are able to feel good. And light is an important factor. Even, you know, there's this uh, sad seasonal um, disorder, yeah. right? Where people just don't feel that good. And it's because of a lack of light in countries where you don't get as much light in the winter. So what do you do? You buy a daytime lamp and you start your day with a daytime lamp. Giving yourself, your eyes, that light. And that helps many people. So if we can put this into the office and there are systems that I know to light up the walls and everything, so we can put so much more light into the offices at an appropriate time, what would that, that do for the productivity of the employees, for their well-being? So let's start off with the well-being, but you know, the company is always interested in the productivity. So what would it do for the productivity and what would it do for the health and all of the costs that relate to that if an employee just isn't able to work yeah, definitely. Um, so like linking into that, I know we spoke a little bit about this previously, but smart circadian lighting has obviously gained a lot of traction, um, which it was growing a lot before COVID, but COVID has definitely accelerated that demand and interest further. 
Um, so obviously the premise of circadian lighting is that it supports our sleep-wake cycle. And as we know, the brain resets our circadian rhythm based on light. So do you want to just explain a little bit about the impact of light on our sleep-wake cycle? I know you've, you've touched on that just before, but if you want to just summarize that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So essentially, it's very easy. We've got little receptors in our eyes, and that these receptors are uh, picking up on light, like in particular on some the blue light that you mentioned earlier. So when we get that little sign in our eyes, they're going to transport that information to a thing called the SCN, and this is kind of like our main inner clock. We've got you know millions of inner clocks. Every cell has a clock, but that's that's the the beat giver. So, and this beat giver kind of when it comes to nighttime and it, uh, the, the blue light disappears because in the afternoon there's less blue light and in the evening at some, time, uh, at some point it's dark. It yes. gives the signal uh, to the SCN. The SCN will now tell the pineal gland to produce melatonin. And I'm sure most of our listeners know melatonin. It's kind of known as the sleep hormone and it shouts out to our entire body that it's time to fall asleep. So this cycle can only work in sync with nature if we give it the, the light that it's expected to, to get. Mm -hmm. And if we mess up, because like you, you just mentioned the, the TV and the electrical devices in the evening, which give us blue light. Yeah. If so, now, now we're, we're working against nature. Nature is expecting blue light to disappear in the evening at nighttime to get the melatonin production started. And now we're doing the opposite. Uh, then uh, it's just going to mess up our circadian uh, rhythm and cycle. Uh, and I'll add one thing to that, because um, uh, I think a big misconception is that, in my opinion, that um, the screens are keeping us from falling asleep or something. Um, I think actually it's, it's, we're not getting enough of the light at daytime, because if we would get enough light at daytime, enough blue light, sunlight at daytime. In the evening, we wouldn't be that sensitive anymore. And uh, it, it wouldn't uh, harm us in, in the, the uh, amount that we see nowadays. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, an application area that we've seen that's been particularly beneficial is um, circadian light and within care homes. So obviously where residents tend to spend the majority of their day indoors under artificial light. So this is when full spectrum circadian plus lighting can have a real positive impact. Um, the idea of a smart care home is obviously that it's optimized for residents' health and well-being, but ultimately their sleep-wake cycle is the most important, especially if you've got someone with dementia or specific eye conditions. Um, have you got much experience in this area and do you want to maybe talk a little bit about how sleep can differ in an elderly person? Generally speaking, this sleep changes when we um, get older. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to need a little bit less. But I think the biggest thing that changes is most often the structure of our sleep. So people now have a nap in the afternoon and sleep a little bit less at nighttime. In total, it, it's kind of what they had before. Mm -hmm. um, that said, obviously the lifestyle changes uh, have an impact there too. So if you're living in, especially in a home that you picked up before, um, you have to, you would really have to look at what do these people do at daytime. Yeah. And I know that from you know my wife's uh, grandma. So the and she was really smart and fit, but you know a lot of people aren't. 
And if you're in a home and you, you don't get, you know, kind of the, the social contacts that you used to have, you don't have, you know, uh, something that you need to get done, that, that, that kind of has a big mental impact that can impact our sleep too. So it's really hard for me to say what, what is up to the lighting, what is up to the, the lifestyle that these people have and see in, in those homes yeah. to, to really get, make a clear statement here. Yeah, okay, brilliant. I know from you know, some of the research that we've done in conjunction with Newcastle University and things, you know, we have and through projects that we've installed in, um, but we have seen a, a really positive impact on you know, even things like getting a better quality sleep, therefore engagement levels are higher during the day. Um, you know, residents aren't, aren't feeling as lethargic. They're wanting to join in in activities. They're not wanting to just laze around in their chair and watch TV or have a nap. And, you know, something else which is really interesting is we've actually seen um, a reduction in the amount of falls a care home would usually experience um, simply because their circadian rhythm is more in sync and also on a very basic level, there's better illumination so they can actually see where they're walking, which is so basic, but yeah. it's, it's actually a really important thing because that's obviously going to impact on people's health massively if they're falling over and breaking a hip or whatever because the lighting isn't good enough, then yeah. it's a real issue. But yeah, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> but they're very interesting one. so. Yeah, no, it is interesting. Um, so let's discuss like alternatives to light for a second. So it's not all about circadian lighting. It's about um, letting natural light in as well or blocking that natural light out. So as you said before, making sure you've got, you know, blackout blinds that can actually allow you to get a good night's sleep. Or it's about in a care home, for instance, um, you know, like emergency lighting, not having that green light always on in the bedroom but looking for alternatives maybe that emergency light the green light could be outside in the corridor so that's not impacting on your sleep um but have you got any sort of top tips that allow us to i guess prioritize sleep through natural ways um you sort of touched on it before but is there anything else that you can suggest i think i've just um like to underline that it's important that technology works for humans. So we, 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 we've got all of this research, all of this knowledge now. We've got all of the technology to, um, to come up with solutions that people don't have to think about anymore. So let's say when it comes to the homes of the elderly, like yeah. um, the light doesn't have to be on all the time. We've got sensors that can detect movement, right? Mm -hmm. So we could see if maybe we, at some point, we're gonna be able to detect if somebody wants to leave the bed and just turn on the light then. We could pick certain color ranges to, um, to have uh, circadian light friendly uh, uh, light tones in the night. If somebody just wants to go to the toilet, I just wanna have kind of very warmish, uh, color and I don't need too much because our eyes are sensitive at nighttime anyway. So I think it's up to create technology that works very smart that people don't have to uh, think about. It just integrates into their life where it doesn't matter, matter if we're talking about the, the workspace or uh, homes or at home even. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that that's pretty much it. I mean, is there anything else that you feel is important to add you know on the topic about smart buildings and sleep in general 
Is there anything else that you feel like is important to finish on? Um, the, the only thing that I would wish, and that this might be an opportunity to shout that out to the world, is that you know companies really um, pick up speed on thinking about these things. These are processes. So if we're talking about construction or things that we implement into our workspaces, that's going to take you know years uh, until an opportunity is there to implement these things. Uh, but we could start small, like doing the things that we ran through uh, uh, just a couple of moments ago. What can the C-level uh, managers communicate to their employees, to their managers? How can they prioritize sleep? How can they create a culture that at some point it's just going to feel uh, natural to implement these things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's essential. Like you said, it's it's something so easy to implement as well. It's all just about having that culture. So I think that's really important. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting chatting to you. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Lindsay. And really interesting for me too, yeah.